This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on another hot day in Kent. It's Tuesday, July the 12th. Coming up, the latest on the Tory leadership race and hear about the little girl who's having to make a four-hour round trip to school. But to start off today, a part of Kent has been left without water on one of the hottest days of the year so far. Southern Water say it's after they did work on a water main last night which carries supplies to reservoirs on the Isle of Sheppey. They're now setting up water collection points on the island and delivering supplies to the most vulnerable. The company have added that a team are working to get the repair to the pipe completed as quickly as possible and have apologised for the inconvenience. Ish has been speaking to Dominic Hallett, who's the operational control manager at Southern Water. Dominic, can you just first explain what the water situation is on the Isle of Sheppey and why people may not have water? So in its simplest form, um, there is a large main that transfers water from the mainland over to the Isle of Sheppey, where we have a number of service reservoirs. Unfortunately, there's been a, a leak detected and identified on that main, which is impacting the amount of water that we can transfer over to the, to the reservoirs on the Isle of Sheppey. What we've got in addition to that is very, very hot weather, high increase in demand as expected, people using water over the weekend, um, repairs have been attempted a couple of times, but they've they've not been as successful as we wanted them to be. And we're now in a point where um, where customer interruption is likely, if not already occurring. How many people do you know are affected at the moment? We, we believe that the Isle of Sheppey has 33,000 customers on it, um, there thereabouts. And what we're doing is a number of activities. Um, so first and foremost, we know that there are some uh, key customers, priority services, um, we have uh, the community hospital, which we are um, supporting through tanker injection. We have got the, uh, the, the Majesty's prisons down in Laysdown, um, which again, we are supporting um, through tanker mitigations and plans. And we have got the uh, priority services registered customers. So those folk who have told us that they cannot get out to a, to a bottled water distribution site, um, we are doing uh, deliveries to those people. So if you have not registered with us as a priority service, it's really important to get in touch with us and get yourself registered. Um, if, you, if you are registered, um, you should have already received a pack of water. Um, so again, if, if that has not happened, please do get in touch. We've also got the bottled water distribution site that you can see behind me. Um, we've, we've got another two that are being established and set up. So we're currently down at Laysdown at the promenade uh, at the car park there. Um, and we're looking to establish a further two uh, bottled water distribution sites at the north end of the island. So towards sort of Queenborough and Minster um, and Sheerness. Once we've got the information of those sites, because we need to do it um, and, and set them up really safely, and make sure that people's access is, is not hampered. Um, but what we what we will be doing is relaying all of that information out through our social media channels and through our website. And you mentioned 33,000 customers on the Isle of Are you suggesting that all of your customers there are potentially impacted? At, at this point in time, it, it's a um, it's, it's a bit of a balancing game. Um, so what we are trying to do is stagger the, the potential impact. But we won't know what that looks like until we see a number of things through our demand uh, and our models and our reservoir levels. So there's a few... There's a few things. It won't be all at once. I think that's the most important thing. 
Um, it, it won't all happen at the same time, but it, it's likely to be uh, at some point throughout the course of the day. Um, and you mentioned that you've tried already a couple attempts to repair the leak. How complicated is it? Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Um, I've, I've not the detail from the, from the technical folk on site. Um, I do know that, you know, um, leaks, uh, both detection and repair is part of our day to day. So we, we will go and fix leaks, we will go and repair mains, and we will go and undertake that type of activity all day, all night, every day of the year. The, the fact that this is a, a quite a large main, the fact that we have tried a couple of times and not succeeded, implies that it's a little bit more challenging than, than our day-to-day -day sort of operation. So um, the, the folk on site are working tirelessly 24 hours a day. Details of where the water stations are can be found within the story at Kent Online. Meantime, forecasters are warning there's a severe risk to public health as temperatures across Kent continue to soar. The Met Office has issued a rare extreme heat alert for Sunday, meaning there could also be rail closures and power cuts. Meteorologist Aidan McGiven says this is only the start of the heatwave. Temperatures look widely up into the mid 30s across England and Wales and in some spots perhaps up into the high 30s with a chance on Sunday or Monday that the UK temperature record will come under threat. Senior officials held a COBRA emergency meeting yesterday to discuss a plan of action for the UK. The elderly and vulnerable are being urged to drink plenty of water and avoid going out in the high temperatures. Caroline Abrahams from Age UK says we need to check on our neighbours. Perhaps there's somebody on their own who's, who's not in great health, particularly if they've got breathing problems or problems with their heart. It's people like that who are going to find it difficult over the next few days. So be a good neighbour, offer them an ice cream. Have you got a spare fan maybe that they would like to borrow? And back to the Isle of Sheppey, more problems because a paddling pool in Sheerness has had to stay closed this week despite the really hot weather. Parents turned up with toddlers yesterday only to find it empty. Bosses are blaming an electrical fault. It was previously closed because of a chlorine shortage. Kent Online News. Now, in his first interview with the Kent Online podcast since announcing his bid to run for Tory leader, Tom Tugendhat has said he'll rebuild trust and grow the economy. The Tunbridge and Morling rep was one of the first to put his name forward for the top job following the resignation of Boris Johnson last week. He's been speaking to our political editor Paul Francis and also Jadzia Samuel from our colleagues at KMTV. Look, we've seen that the last few years have been very difficult for everybody. There's more months, sadly, than payslip at the moment, and many people are finding the cost of living extremely difficult. And what I'm looking to do is to have a 10-year plan for growth to make our economy more resilient, stronger and fairer. You say that trust is collapsing. Weren't you part of the system in which that trust has collapsed and do you bear any responsibility for it? On the contrary, I've been holding the system to account. As the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee and as, the chair, as a member of the Liaison Committee, I have been challenging every organ and every institution in government to make sure that we have delivery and we call it out when it doesn't work. In fact, you will have seen only a few uh, weeks ago, we published a report in the Foreign Affairs Committee in which I called for the resignation of a very senior official because of the trust deficit that he had demonstrated. Tom, what would your leadership of the Conservative Party and the UK government mean for your constituents? Well, I hope it would mean uh, that they were a little bit proud of me, but, I, but most importantly, I hope it would mean that they were they would get better delivery for the whole of the United Kingdom, because what they would get is they would get a United Kingdom that works better at every level 
and at every way. You know, too much, we've seen that the United Kingdom is like a jet airliner flying on one engine. And what we actually need is to make sure that we get the other engine flying uh, and burning at full speed, because what we need to be seeing is our economy powering along. That would mean less pressure on housing in our community, greater investment around the whole country and lower tax burdens on our citizens. You've always been an active member in your constituency as an MP with your work on smart motorways and protecting GPs and obviously with baby Tony as well. Do you think you can do both? You can be active in your community and lead the country? Not alone, I can't, but I can with a great team. And I'm very, very lucky that I've got a fantastic team of people working with me in Kent. Uh, and I every intention of making sure that, well, I hope they'll stay with me. Um, uh, I do my best to make sure that they do. But you can be absolutely certain where my heart is and you know where it is. It's always been in Kent and I'm extremely proud to be an MP from Kent. But we in Kent have always known that we are the gateway to the United Kingdom. We're the gateway uh, to uh, the, the whole of the United Kingdom. And we've always played a very important role in that. You know, everything from the English language with uh, the Canterbury Tales to the extraordinary development of agriculture and industry that we saw uh, in our county. You know, we know that we're a very special county, but we're an integral part of the whole of the United Kingdom. And I think that's a great thing for all of us. Tom, how, how many MPs do you currently have backing you? And do you expect to make it to the final two? I'm not going there. Uh, and yes, I do expect to make it to the final two. Um, I'm very confident that we've got a fantastic team, uh, a team of parliamentarians and a team of uh, others who are uh, communicating extremely effectively the message that we want to get out there, which is this isn't just about winning the Conservative leadership election. This is about winning the country. The whole point of winning as leader of the Conservative Party is to make sure that Conservative ideas flourish and prosper across the country. So what we need to see is we need to see the kind of ideas that councillors uh, and activists can champion, of course in Kent, but every part of the United Kingdom, in Scotland, in England, in Wales, and of course in Northern Ireland, and really spread the ideas that we know matter so much to our community, the ideas of liberty and equality and opportunity that we really can make this country so much better. Raynham and Gillingham's Raymond Chisty is also running for the keys to number 10. The rules around the process of the leadership contest were confirmed last night and with the all-important detail, let's hear again from our political editor, Paul Francis. Now, what is important about the nomination process this time round is that each of the candidates will need the support of at least 20 MPs for their nominations to be accepted. Now, two of the candidates uh, interested in the job are Kent MPs Tom Tugendhat and the Gillingham and Raynham MP Raymond Chishti. Now, the former Tom Tugendhat says he has already got to that figure. However, uh, Raymond Chishti, if he's to get into the election as a candidate, he's got some work to do because it looks on paper as if he's not got a single backer yet for his campaign. Once the nomination papers are in, there'll be a first round of voting on Wednesday, which is expected to thin out the field of candidates. And in order for those candidates left in the race to proceed to the next stage of voting, they will need at least 30 MPs to back them to stay in the race. Now, the uh, outcome of the election won't formally be known until September the 5th because there'll be two candidates put forward to Conservative Party activists, supporters and members 
to vote on uh, in a runoff. Now, so far, only a few Kent MPs have publicly declared their intentions in the uh, vote, although Rishi Sunak, the former Chancellor, has got the backing of Helen Waitley uh, of Fowsham and Mid-Kent, and also Laura Trott of Sevenoaks. Uh, as to Tom Tugendhat, he's got the support of the Ashford MP Damien Green, while the Folkestone and Hyde MP Damien Collins is listed as a backer of Penny Morgent. Uh, of course, we'll expect to hear more about how our Kent MPs have voted over the next day or so. In another interesting development today, the Labour Party is going to push for a vote of no confidence in the government. They want it to happen tomorrow in a bid to remove Boris Johnson from number 10 as quickly as possible. Now, last week, he said he'd stay on as Prime Minister while his successor was elected, something that hasn't gone down well with some people, particularly with Labour. You can keep up to date with this story at Kent Online and by listening to the latest bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Elsewhere today, police have given us an update on a dog attack in Canterbury which left a boy in hospital. He's being treated for leg injuries following a huge emergency response in Cumberland Avenue on Sunday. The dog's been taken away and we're now told a man who was arrested has been released under investigation. A Tunbridge man who was caught growing cannabis in his loft says he did it to pay for medical treatment for his son. Kieran Harris was arrested after police found 36 plants at his home in June 2020. A court said none of the money made from selling the drugs was used to pay for medical treatment and the 31-year-old from North Trench Road has now been jailed for 18 months. Three people have been found living illegally in Maidstone. They were detained following a raid at a car wash on Upper Stone Street where it emerged the owners had been allowing staff to live on site. The council, emergency services and the Home Office were all involved in the operation. Figures given to the Kent Online podcast show 10 children in an average size class in one part of Kent are living in poverty. Data from the End Child Poverty Coalition shows around a third of youngsters under the age of 16 in Thanet are in households that are struggling to make ends meet. The area has the fourth highest rate of poverty in the southeast. Now, while the number of children in poverty across the UK has actually come down slightly, it's feared a huge rise in energy prices towards the end of the year will reverse that trend. I've been speaking to Joe Howes, who's chair of the coalition. Whilst there has been this kind of um, UK-wide reduction, I mean, it's come down from 31% to 27%, that hasn't um, necessarily come through completely in the southeast. Southeast is generally around um, 24 to 26% over the last five years, and it was actually um, 24% within this. Within Kent, you have actually some rising numbers going over 30% as well. Thanet's um, absolutely included in that too. What I do say about this, and particularly I, you know, I grew up in Kent, is that th- there's not an area that, that can say, well, it's okay, it's not, it's not particularly high here. Even, even where you look at Tunbridge Wells, Seven Oaks, they're still around 20, 22%. That's one in five children in poverty in those areas that many would think, okay, this, this is a more affluent area, this isn't so much of a problem, but it absolutely is. So, yes, you can kind of start to look at Thanet and 33%, but all of, all of these places 
are within that 20 to 33 percent. In those more affluent areas, does the problem get hidden a bit more or is it starting to be much more obvious and uh, is there starting to be a reaction to it? Are people starting to do more to try and help? Uh, I, I don't know from you know uh, facts on that. I would just say that um, I think people living in those areas um, are starting to see and through the pandemic also found how difficult it was and where the government can step in when it's just something has happened that is totally out of your control. And I would like to feel um, that people are bridging to uh, families that are in so much difficulty now and understand this can happen to anyone in any area. What are, what are children who are living within these conditions, what are they sort of missing out on? Can, can you paint a picture of us before us as to what these children are having to put up with and kind of the conditions that they're having to live within? Yeah, in, in my day job, um, I, I am chief executive at Buttle UK and we provide grants um, of up to £2,000 actually specifically focused on children in poverty and in crisis. And the things that we pay for, you know, these I'd love to say that these are uh, super amazing things, but actually they're the kinds of things that anyone with some um, with the finances would pay for in a heartbeat and do. So they're things like a, a child's bed, um, their school uniforms, their um, swimming lessons, etc., activities for after school, really basic things that the children are missing out on. And over the next year, however long this lasts for, without that support, are going to miss out on more and more and more because we talk about um, heating in the household. We talk about heating. We're also, that's taking priority, of course it should do, but that has a knock-on effect to what they're missing out on. And, and let's, let's just be honest, a bed for your child is absolutely a priority for every parent. We've also heard from some parents, obviously, with um, fuel prices going up as far as filling the car, they just can't afford to to do the journeys, as you mentioned there, to get children to after school clubs and things like that, because they're having to limit how often they travel. Is that the sort of thing that you've heard of as well? Absolutely. I hear about young people that um, are in college um, trying to get a, a future education and they're having to drop out because they just can't afford not to work. I'm also hearing, um, I heard about a, a mum who was fleeing domestic abuse or trying to making savings to be able to do that and then actually not being able to do it because she had to spend all of the money on things like heating, eating, etc. Quite a stark picture there. Well, quite a few of you have been commenting on this story and also on our socials. I've been having a look at some of the comments on Facebook. First up, Aidan Todd says, inflation and utility bill rises don't help, but I bet the biggest factor is lack of social housing and high private rental prices. The cost of rent for many families takes up a massive percentage of their income. Nicola Jarvis have added, of course it's Thanet, this will only get worse with the influx of people to the area. Rental prices go through the roof and locals can't afford the top-ups but are too poor to relocate and why should they? Using Cliftonville as a dumping ground for the whole of the 90s really didn't help either. Lisa Scott finally has said what do they expect? Private rent where I am in Swale is £1,200 plus a month. Then add hundreds of pounds of council tax so you need to bring in £1,500 a month just for rent and council tax that's without anything else you get no help as they say we can just work more hours it's a joke having to decide to either fuel the car or feed our children is a scary time that's without heating once that hits we're going to be crippled then they wonder why people neglect children or homes you can of course continue to have a say by leaving a comment on the stories 
more on our socials today. Kent Online reports. Bosses in Kent say they remain steadfastly opposed to the new Lower Thames crossing. It's hoped the tunnel between Gravesend and Tilbury will help ease congestion at Dartford, but Gravesham Council wants more clarity on the impact it'll have on the environment. It says costs have increased and the current plans are not what was being proposed back in 2017. Meantime, a golf club in Gravesend has announced it's closing because of uncertainty around the Lower Thames crossing. Southern Valley on Thong Lane has sold its land, which will be needed to build part of the 14-mile road. We might be going through a heat wave right now, but six months ago it was Storm Eunice and trees damaged by Intentadon are still causing a problem. At Kent Online today, you can see branches that have been left in a community garden near St Mildred's Close in the town. There are fears some could fall at any time and cause an injury, but the council say a team is being sent out to inspect the trees and make sure they're safe. Now, if you do the school run in Kent each day, roughly how long does it take you? Even though the traffic might be bad sometimes, I'm guessing guessing you don't regularly do a four-hour round trip. However, that's how long a girl in Dartford is having to spend on a bus every day because she can't get into a school near her home. Well, Lucy joins me now with more on this story. And Lucy, tell us a bit more about eight-year-old Karina French. Yes, so Karina and her family moved from Erith to Dartford in March. Her parents assumed they would be able to get her into a local primary school. However, they were all full. In fact, they've applied to at least 11 schools and are on numerous waiting lists, but so far they've had no success. That means Karina's had to continue to go to school in Erith. And why does it take so long? Karina's mum doesn't drive, so the bus is their only option. They have to leave home at half six in the morning, walk for 20 minutes, to the nearest bus stop, get on one bus which currently diverts through Bexley Heath because of roadworks, then get another which takes them to school. As you mentioned at the start, it's about two hours both ways. That's an awfully long journey, Lucy. What impact is it having on them? Well, Karina's dad says it's starting to make his daughter feel ill. She's tired and getting motion sickness. She's had 11 days off sick and is saying she doesn't want to go to school. She's also been getting a late mark because buses don't always run to time. Her dad's told Kent Online that he would never have moved if he'd known it was going to be this difficult to get a school place. And finally, Lucy, what have the council had to say? Well, KCC have sent us a statement and it says that as with all in-year school admissions, popular schools are less likely to have spaces available. They go on to say that officers are continuing to support families with getting their children to school to ensure they have access to a suitable education. Kent Online reports. A short film all about mental health is getting its UK premiere in Folkestone later. Triggered is about a man who's tormented by a voice in his head and aims to help people understand mental health issues so they can spot the signs if a loved one is struggling. It's already been shown at several international film festivals and is on at South Kent Mind tonight. We're going to be hearing more about this in the podcast tomorrow. The world's longest interlocking brick bridge is coming to Rochester Cathedral, along with the return of a popular yet controversial mini golf course. More than 200,000 bricks have been clicked together for the All About Bridges event, which will take place in the nave this August. While the nine-hole golf course will be in the gardens, some had called it inappropriate when it was first introduced back in 2019. And at Kent Online today, you can take a look at the most expensive house to ever be sold in Broadstairs. The six-bedroom seaside home is on the market for an eye-watering £3 million. It has a pool, gym, sauna and nearly two acres of land. Kent Online Sports. 
Football today and England are through to the quarterfinals of the Women's Euros. It's after their massive 8-0 victory over Norway in their second group match last night. Alicia Russo, who's from Maidstone, scored after coming on in the second half. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can get access now to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do that, you need to head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.